Boomkit Industries proudly presents the Dixie Stenberg and Brassy Battalion Adventure Theater, a pendant production. In the summer of 1947, a clandestine squadron of P-47 Thunderbolts battled the forces of evil in the skies over America. This squadron was known as Brassy Battalion, and this is their story. Tonight's episode, The Occidental Nazis. When we last left our villains, Billingsley had crashed down in Central Park. Can we just move past that already? How embarrassing. Ursula and Radoff were in hot pursuit of Benedict Adarchenko. The Russian is ours. And then he will belong only to the sweet embrace of death. You are getting better. Why, thank you. Walther was toddling around New York, getting up to who knows what. I like toddling. Nev had been shot down by our own Dixie Stenberg, and the Beast was on a rampage through New York City. It was a fine mess indeed, and having been incredibly displeased with the performance of Zeta Squad thus far, the supreme leader of the Society for the Continuation of Aggression and Ruination deemed it necessary to do something she'd sworn to never do again. She set foot on American soil. This is horrible! It was all I could do to get away! Oh, it's not so bad. Really. I mean, the city is so alive, so full of energy. We could even catch a Broadway show. Oh, I've always wanted to be on Broadway. Don't you dare mention that street in front of me. I know we're supposed to be Nazis and all, but... Since when did we start hating streets? Yes, that doesn't really seem fair. What did the poor pavement ever do to you? Perhaps, through the unfortunate law of gravity, it claimed her cake. Brenny's eyes had narrowed and her jaw clenched as her mind flooded with memories from her misbegotten youth. And so it is, dear listeners, that through the magic of radio and the theater of the mind, we are able to travel back with Brenny. Let's listen in as she remember. And here we find young, fresh-faced Brenny, just off the bus in New York City, with dreams of seeing her name in lights and winning the adoration of all. I'm going to be a star! Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, she made her way to a theater and auditioned for a role. She waited for a reply with bated breath, and finally, it came. Well, that wasn't very nice. Undaunted, she made her way to another theater down the street, poured her heart and soul into her audition, and awaited their decision. People in New York are are so rude. Days passed, savings dwindled, and Rennie auditioned her heart out. At the Belasco. What do you think? The National. Please. The Palace. Just give me a chance. The Royale. This isn't fair. The Majestic. I feel so helpless. Theater after theater turned Rennie down. Day after day, week after week. And those weeks turned to months. And those months to years. 
Her savings gone. She had nothing to show for her efforts other than slammed doors and one severely bruised ego. Life is so unfair! Or at the very least, showbiz is. They do say there's no business like show business. And show business is no business to be in. Those insufferable fools! Take control of my life away from me, will they? Tell me I'm not good enough, will they? They'll show them! They'll show them all! Wow. Talk about issues. I mean, this entire thing with SCAR is just some power trip for you, isn't it? How did you know that? I was listening to the show. Yeah, we're right here. How could we not listen? Especially when it's so compelling, yeah. To think, all this time, it's been a petty sense of superiority that's driving her. You're one to talk. Silence, slimy skin sack. Enough of this. We have work to do. And the sooner that we're out of this infernal city, the better. Oh, but it's home. East Germany is our home. We haven't even been back there in years. Oh, tell me about it. That ice palace of yours is frightfully uncomfortable. It suited our needs. Brassy Battalion didn't find us there, did they? Yeah, to be fair, Brassy Battalion didn't exist for most of that time. Why are you being fair? We are Nazis! <sighs> Don't you ever tire of all the vim and vitriol? <laughs> Never. Perhaps old Volker's heart's just not in it any longer. Um... What was it? Was it ever? Oh, for a time, yes. Back when I thought I was in charge. Perhaps, maybe I could be in charge again? <laughs> Please? You could just pretend I was in charge. No. Back when you were <laughs> still believing you were running Scar, did you ever wonder... Whatever happened to all of your predecessors? I had predecessors? Eventually, I revealed myself to all of them, as I did you. And then they all ultimately failed me. So then, what became of them? They needed replacing. Alrighty then. Uh, well, I've got the homing device right here. And will it locate the beast? The beast ship, actually. Uh, I'm confident that this will lead us right to it. It had better. Zeta Squad has failed me for the last time! And now, a word from our sponsor, the mellifluous Umket Industries. I dare say Umket is the mellifluousest! Dear me, that sounds difficult to say. Though it was, it was. Lucky for us, I just happened to have my portable, wind-up, Phonoket Umkegraph running. Yo, what? Uh, my portable wind-up Phonoket Umkegraph. And what does that do? Listen. I dare say Umket is the better physicist. <gasps> Precisely. I simply must have more information on this miracle of modern technology. And there's only one man to ask. There's only one man who knows. Well, there's only one man with the soothsaying wherewithal to give you the information you seek. It is I, the Amazing Noel. The Amazing Noel. Famed mentalist. And futuristic predictor extraordinaire. The one and the same. And, dear listeners, 
I am here today to talk to you about the Maleflu Malafla Threat. What is that word? I dare say, who gets the Malafluzist? Yes, that's the one. And now you can see just how very mellifluous the portable wind-up phonicet Omkograph really is. He listened to the word, and now he can speak it. <gasps> it's a miracle. Of modern technology. It's no miracle, silly voice. Misfortune is right. It is not a miracle, but the results of research and design by Umket's top scientists, which brings you this auditory phenomenon. It is the very model of modern mellifluousness. Our information veritable and actual and most righteous. Won't you tell us more? But of course, as we all know. Summertime is band time. Hundreds of bands are delighting millions of good people at parks and fairgrounds all across our great nation. And bad people, they don't deserve delight whatsoever. And to record and reproduce such soul-stirring music is a matter of the greatest difficulty. But not for Umket. I dare say Umket is the man of fiercest. But with Umket records played on the portable wind-up Phonoket Umkograph, you can experience at least some of the thrills you would get in attending concerts by famous and talented bands. Did you hear that? Some of the thrills. Records by all of the great bands are available in the Phonoket Umkograph record catalog, and are on sale by thousands of dealers. Who will gladly sell them to you? Hear records from bands like the Frisking Whiskers, the Groanbox Mugging Fizzes, Captain Canary and the Gobblepop Trams, Wanger, and the Sidemen, the Barrel House Symphony, the Long Underwear Gang, the Face Lace Lip Splitters, and even our very own Umket. Triplets. Some exciting thrills are what we bring to you. So come and get your fill and listen to us too. Who could ask for more? Anyone. And that is why the portable wind-up Phonoket Umkograph delivers on so many other fronts. With the purchase of a black vinyl disc, why you could make your very own recordings to delight the senses of your friends. And enemies. I dare say, Umket is the manifestest. You see, fantabulous, mellifluous. But wait, there's more. <gasps> more? Yes. For you see, the portable wind-up Phonoket Umkograph is both portable and wind-up. <gasps> no. Oh yes. It can't be. It can. You can move it from here to there. Why with the crazies without a care? Now you may take the mellifluousness with you wherever you go, without concern for petty things like power or immobility. Miss Fortune, if you would unplug the machine. Certainly. Now all you need do is wind the winch. Like this. Keep going. All right. <laughs> Keep going. Oh, almost uh, done. <laughs> come on, come on. Keep going. Oh, <laughs> um, my arm hurts. 
Well, good music is worth it, wouldn't you say? Oh. Okay. Um, how much longer? <laughs> Done! Oh. <sighs> now, turn it on and listen to all the delightful moments of oral pleasure you have earned. That's it? Brilliant! And now, let us show the folks at home just how portable it really is. Oh, of course. Um, what do I do? <laughs> come here, come here. You have to bend the arm down. But the speaker is... No, you push it back this way. Then the stylus is... The arm bends like so. But, but the spindle is... It shifts over... Will break the simply push the oh, and then the crank. Place it under the Oh, it's going to slam the lid. There you see? Perfectly portable. Why, Miss Fortune could easily carry it all the way across the room and back again. Oh <laughs> do I have to? Go on now. Oh, oh. So heavy. Just get it off the off the table. Oh my! There's phonocat parts everywhere. You see? What did I tell you? Perfectly portable. And not only that, but every Phonoket Umkograph record is scientifically designed with the highest quality audio reproduction. So there's no fear of them becoming obsolete in the future. <gasps> Fantastic. Give us one more prediction. Yes. Yes. I'm getting something. Yes. Too many items are now off the shelves due to a subconscious boycott of said item by the listening audience who rejected the program on which the items were advertised. No umkit items, I hope. Nary a one. That's... That's amazing, Noel. I know! We now rejoin our episode as we journey to Central Park and... What's this? A taxi has just arrived. And out of the taxi... Walther Falkenstein? I like taxis. Here you go, Mr. Nice Driver Man. Gives a change. And so Walther toddled around the park, enjoying the sounds and the smells and all nature had to offer. <sighs> I like nature. And it wasn't long before a damaged Falk Wolf 190 came into view with a dazed Billingsley sitting on the ground beside him. Oh, look! Walther approached Billingsley, but stopped a few yards away. Still recovering from his crash, Billingsley looked up at Walther, confusion in his eyes. Walther? Yeah. Help me up. Where's Niv? Where are Ursula and Radolf? The Beast? Dixie? Anyone? But Walther just stared at the man before him. Nothing to say. 
Usually you're a blathering idiot and we can't get you to shut up. And the one time I need information from you, the cat's got your tongue. Say something! Nev said to kill you. What? She said you were a liability and she was assuming command of Zeta Squad. You sound different. And then Niv was shot down, and Ursula and Radolf were supposed to be sure you were dead, but they have got their hands full. What, what are you doing? They will be lucky if they survive. We have underestimated Brassi Battalion too often. Do you know what happens when you underestimate people? They surprise you. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, now be reasonable. We can talk about this. The time for reason is over. You have abused me for years, and why? Because you thought yourself superior? Because you thought me an oaf? A nincompoop? A blithering idiot, didn't you say? I didn't mean... Oh, but you did. And the way I see it, I am soon to be the only living member of Zeta Squad. It's all been a ruse. Those moments of lucidity... Those were mistakes. Your bumbling act faltering. You were always smart, Billingsley, but not smart enough. Au contraire. Oh. No one will catch Reginald Billingsley unaware ever again. Enjoy your eternal slumber. I like slumber. Just then, with timing so precise you might otherwise only find it in a work of fiction, the beast stomped right through the park, destroying everything in its path on its way to... wherever it is that beasts go when they hit the town. As the beast passed, Billingsley could not help but notice the technological treasures carried in its arms and quickly took off in pursuit. This is madness. But even in madness and chaos, there was always one constant. Reginald Billingsley was only ever out for himself. How could I not be? I'm so much better than everyone else. And so it is, dear listeners, that through the magic of radio and the theater of the mind, that we are able to travel back with Billingsley. Let's listen in as he remembers. It all began in high school, when Billingsley's intelligence and scholastic aptitude helped him to rise above. Oh, the highest grade in the class. My word, that's so wonderful. And Billingsley showed no signs of slowing. Oh, the highest grade in the class again. Well, perhaps I'm just working harder than everyone else. In fact, he quickly excelled at anything he set his mind to. Oh, first place in the science fair. I suppose I was just better prepared. It almost seemed as if there was nothing he couldn't do. The John Philip Sousa Award and first chair for my triumphant glockenspiel skills. I suppose I just wanted it more. Uh, isn't that award normally voted on by your peers? Normal? I care not for your normally. There is positively nothing normal about my superior glockenspieling. And quicker than one might think possible, this led to an air of superiority and entitlement 
which made him none too popular with his peers. Valedictorian? Well, of course I am. Who else deserves it as much as I? <laughs> But Billingsley remained undaunted. You're all just jealous of my superior intellect and skill. You spent less time booing and more time trying to improve your miserable little lives. You might one day be almost half the man Reginald P. Billingsley is. <coughs> if there was one thing Billingsley truly failed at, it was the realization that his peers hated him not for his aptitude and accomplishments, but for the way he reacted to his accolades. That is nonsense. I'm reacting perfectly appropriately. The problem is that you are just as jealous of me as everyone else. And so Billingsley, in search of others who could match his own smug sense of superiority and were ready to make the lesser beings pay, found his way to Germany and joined up with S-C-A-R. I shall always choose the winning side. We shall see. No one bests Reginald Billingsley. Dixie caught on to your schemes. No one even remembers that. I think the problem is you can't take any criticism, chum. The problem is there is nothing to criticize. I might consider your words if you knew as much as I. But you do not, and you could not, and therefore you can't possibly know what you're talking about. I do know what one thing you excel at. Why, thank you. What might that be? Being a giant pain in the rear. Preposterous. Why, there is no finer specimen of humanity than Reginald P. Billingsley. There is no greater mind on earth than Reginald P. Billingsley. There is no one with a more evil mustache than Reginald P. Billingsley. I'm gonna snap your cap. <coughs> Why are you smiling? Because you've forgotten this is a flashback. Things are still moving in the real world. Moving? <laughs> You're right. For once. For once and for always. Don't let it go to your head. I'm afraid you're two decades too late. <laughs> oh. And so the beast quickly stomps through the heart of the Big Apple, plowing through the city like a rocket-powered tractor. And hot on his heels was one Reginald Philbert Billingsley. Must keep up. Luckily for us, in the skies overhead, there was someone hundreds of times faster, thousands of times more capable, and millions of times more likable. I've got the beast in my sights, and I'm not going to lose him this time. It'll be a prolix prepotency. This production has starred Renee Christine Jones as Dixie Stenberg. If this episode has taught us anything, it's that Bill's not only a fink, he's always been a fink. Mark Zerikor as Frank McGuff. I think that's something we figured out way back when we figured it out. From pretty early on, yeah. Steve Anderson as Reginald Billingsley. I had you fooled for a while. All of you. Jeremiah McCoy as Archibald Withersby. Oh, yes. Be proud of that. You lied and hurt good, trusting people who gave you the benefit of the doubt. 
Well done. Why, thank you. Pete Mylan as Freudenberg. So now that the villains have had their flashy backy episodes, perhaps we can get on with the rest of ours, yeah? Wait, wait. This was my flashbacky episode? Scott Vinicombe as Cornelius Robert Sims Pearson. Well, was there a flashy backy? Technically, yes. Anthony Piselli as Joey Scalzetti. Yep, and there you go. This was it. But, but he was interrupted by that mean old announcer man. Chris Britton as Thomas Galen. Ah, those are the penalties for Finkdom, chum. He was only supposed to set up and narrate my story, not interrupt it with fisticuffs. Perry Whittle as Benedict Derechenko. So, you say, if he doesn't do what you expect and it causes you distress, that is wrong? Precisely. Alicia Lane Matheson as Lily LaRue. But that's exactly what you did to us. Yes, yes, yes. We've been all over this. I'm a villain. That's my job. But now you're also a hypocrite. Oh, fine. Just forget it then. But it still shouldn't count because I had to share my flashback with Catherine Pride as Rennie. You think I'm happy about that? You stole my spotlight! Get back here! Justin Dobby as Volker. She's very sensitive about that spotlight thing, isn't she? Wait a minute. Why didn't I get a flashy backy episode showing some of my origins? Well, there's no reason we can't do it now. Really? Do we have time? Of course. There once was a man named Volker, and there once was a food called soup. And the former loved the latter with all his heart. And so it is, dear listeners, that through the magic of radio and the theater of the mind, that we are able to travel back with Volker. Let's listen in as he remembers. What do you mean you're out of soup? You can't be out of soup! No! (laughs) What's that you say? Maybe the Germans have some soup? You're just trying to get rid of me. Well, I, I won't go. You can't make me. You... You're serious? The Germans have soup, eh? Cream of Wienerschnitzel, you say? Very well, I accept. Happy now? Well, no. Not really. Mike Winters as Red of Pelzer. Hey! What about us? Era Pelodi as Ursula Unger. We want flashy bucky episodes too! David Alexander McDonald as Walther Falkenstein. <sighs> Even in death, he torments us. Philip Weber as SCAR Trooper 1. Poor Walter, he was so kind. David Alt as SCAR Trooper 2. Yeah, or was that all part of his act to lure us into his false sense of security? Oh, I don't know what to believe. I'm scared. Hold me. Kristen Bays as the Umket Triplets. Two men hugging? How unseemly. I think it's cute. Bill Young as the amazing Noel. 
There is nothing wrong with two men hugging. Here, I'll show you. Come here, my good man. Oof. Why, thank you. My pleasure. M. Sierra Garcia as Miss Fortune Divine. A hug from the amazing Noel? You are so lucky. Fear not, Miss Fortune. I shall hug you as well. Later. After the show. Oh. Ryan Pickens as Robot 153. I wish someone would hug me. Amanda Fitzwater as Nebulon 2000. But, of course, there, there. Oh. Ow. <laughs> Sam Young as the Beast. <sighs> you sure do roar a lot. Why don't you talk more? Nothing else to say, really. And Jeffrey Bridges as the commercial announcer. Talking reptilian beasts, hugging robots, Broadway and valedictorians, this show is madness! You're only noticing this now. No, no, I'm just saying. This is Seth Adam Schur. Stay tuned next time as New York erupts in chaos. Only at PendantAudio.com. You've been listening to a pendant production of the Dixie Stenberg and Brassy Battalion Adventure Theater. Brought to you tonight by the portable wind-up phonoket Unkagraph. And remember, every Phonoket Uncograph record is scientifically designed with the highest quality audio reproduction, so there's no fear of them becoming obsolete in the future. And now you may take the mellifluousness with you wherever you go, for the portable wind-up Phonoket Uncograph is both portable and wind-up. It's... To carry. Oh. Uh, I think that was my vertebrae. Stay safe, America, and good night. This production was written by Jeffrey Bridges and directed by Bill Fisher, assistant director Bruce Busby. Umkit Industries presents the Dixie Stenberg and Brassy Battalion Adventure Theater, created by Jeffrey Bridges, copyright 2010, Pendant Productions. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.